Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, my name is Ali Vignon, coach of the Flyers. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the people's podcast, player podcast, prognosticators podcast, presidential podcast, Peter Light podcast, Everett's podcast. Pronger cast, Canoeble cast, Bobby Clark cast, Homer cast, and now the Fletcher cast. I'm Russ Joy on Twitter at Joy on Broad, joined as always by the fantastic, the incomparable, the man of mystery, the man who fills your heart and soul and your Philadelphia Flyers fandom with truth and knowledge. And of course, that is Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find over on Twitter at Ant San Philly. As always, you can follow our show on Twitter and Instagram at Snow the Goalie. Facebook.com slash snow the goalie. And sometimes you can even find some of our videos over on the crossing broad YouTube page. Anthony, we've got a doozy for the people today as we we sat down with, with flyers president and general manager, Chuck Fletcher. Yeah, we did. Uh, Ross, we had an opportunity to uh, grab Chuck for a half hour. um, After uh, the regular media availability that he uh, that he had for all the media. So we had a little bit of a um, uh, a little bit of an advantage in a sense that well, two things. One, I mean, the Flyers are still doing virtual press conferences. So mm-hmm. as you know, when you're going to a press conference <coughs> on Zoom, um, you have to raise your hand and be called upon. So you really only get a question, and then you got to hope if you have a second question. They, you know, loop around and get to you again, right? Because they try to get through yeah. everybody. So, you know, we had the luxury of having a entire half hour, 33 minutes to be exact, with Chuck and just us. Um, but also we had the luxury of knowing some of the questions that were already asked at the press conference. Um, and while there were a couple of not repeated questions, but a couple of repeated topics that came up in the press conference that, you know, obviously we touched on as well. It really afforded us an opportunity to, you know, do a little bit of a deeper dive in a couple of things uh, okay. with the general manager. And I thought that that was a, that was a good thing. And I, you know, I, I got to give Chuck a lot of credit. I think he was, he was very open with us. He was very honest with us. Obviously he's not going to, you know, we know, you know, you can't just sit there and say, so tell me about your pursuit of this guy or tell you, you know, are you going to trade this player? You can't ask those questions as much as fans would like us to. You, you got to try and but you can ask him. You just won't get an answer. Right. You are not going to get an answer. and You're going to sound like a dope asking the question. Right. Yeah. Um, so what you do is you, you got to, you know, you got to try and word things in finesse. certain ways. You try yeah. to finesse it. Fin- finesse you try to from, gently, yeah. gently caress the conversation into that. Right. And, and, you know, and hey, you know, we, we did ask a couple of direct questions, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you asked the Voracek question, which, you know, we put out on uh, Twitter in advance of uh, the, this uh, podcast um, being published. And then 
um, you know, I ask a question later on about how many players he thinks he wants to change over the team, you know, and, and I yep. gave him a number, like and I you know, threw a number out there. So um, I, I think, oh, there's your favorite clock. I haven't recorded here for a while. There it is. Oh, there it is in the background. Yes. Yes. I haven't recorded here for a while. And uh, there's the clock coming in into the top Aunt of the Santa hour. And ADHD here uh, yeah. making an appearance. <laughs> um, oh, butterfly. Oh. Yes. But uh but no, seriously, and, and you know, I, I think it really gives us an opportunity. And then we had some fun. We asked him a couple of fun questions at the end too, which were, which sure. were really cool to get to know Chuck on a little bit more personal level. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it, like to me, this was a this was a really good uh, good interview, and, and it's it, it's nice to hear from him. And I think we're going to be talking a lot about Chuck in the next three weeks, um, or two weeks even, um, as the expansion draft happens, followed by the. Uh, amateur draft followed by the start of free agency. And I found that there was, I thought there were some really interesting things that, that came up in conversation uh, both at the media presser, um, which I got to listen to about 85% of it before we started recording. Um, and since I wasn't on it, you were on it. And then of course, in an hour, 30 minute interview too. So I, you know, really good stuff uh, today and, and a lot, a lot to talk about for the flyers. Listen, some people might say that we're tooting our own horn, toot toot. But this this interview that we did with them is is exponentially more insightful than the press conference that the rest of the media had with Chuck Fletcher. I was on that call. I didn't ask any questions because why would I? We knew that this was going to be coming up afterwards and it, it didn't make any sense to waste a question and and give fodder for uh, for some people to try to run with. So um, I think that this is honestly the the most open conversation he's had i don't feel like he holds back in this interview um i mean aside from opening up the list for us and showing us exactly who's going to be protected he does and you know some of you might be listening to the show based on the clip that was out on twitter and facebook um about him having conversations with jacob vorchek and his agent about the possibility of moving on um but there are other players that he mentions as being guys that they intend on protecting. Now, some of it is is uh, what you would expect. And then we did talk about the potential of, you know, situations changing in a, in a year and how that affects the protection list. So there's a lot in this interview. Um, I don't think that the press conference really had all that much to it. We will get to that on the other side of the interview. There were a couple of, of nuggets, but I think we touched on a lot of that anyway in the interview, um, at least the things that really mattered and, and came across as being the most noteworthy. There were a couple of things about the pick itself and about the way that they're going to go about uh, drafting. If in fact they keep the 13th overall pick. So we'll get into that and more on the other side of the interview. But first, without further ado, the moment you've all been waiting for our exclusive sit down with flyers, president and general manager, Chuck Fletcher. Oh yes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to snow, the goalie, the only flyers podcast, the people's podcast, players, podcast, prognosticators podcast. And we've said it before, but we'll say it again, the presidential podcast, because today for the second time in the history of this podcast, we are joined by the sitting team president of the Philadelphia Flyers. And in this case, it's a man we've been looking forward to talking to for a long time. And we know it's a person that the fans have wanted to hear from for quite some time as well. And that is flyers president and GM Chuck Fletcher. Thank you so much for joining us here today on the show. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate it, Chuck. It's I've been looking forward to having this conversation with you for a while. And, and the reason I think this is perfect timing for it is, in a lot of ways, to me, and tell me if you feel the same way. This seems like, even though this is your technically your third off season with the Flyers, this really seems like to me your first real one. 
in a sense that you came in mid-season the first time. You were just kind of still assessing what you had. You made some nice, you know, perimeter moves. And then last year you had the pandemic. But this year is kind of like the first one where you're like, okay, I've been here. The team's been here. This is – I got my fingerprints on this thing, and now we're moving forward. Does it kind of feel that way for you as well? Yeah. No, I think that's a fair way of putting it. And, and uh, you know, we're looking at everything we've had. You know, as you mentioned, I've been here for three seasons or parts of three seasons and uh, inherited a lot of um, people, a lot of staff and uh, a lot of good staff, I might add. But I've had a chance to work with them now for parts of those three seasons. And we're starting to make some adjustments off the ice and starting to fine tune some things we want to do there and, and uh, work on, on certain areas of the off ice operation. And and uh, and then, of course, now you transition into the hockey part and um you know, the flat cap and the pandemic have made things a little bit different, maybe a little bit more interesting in the sense that uh, the cap isn't moving. I'm not sure when it's going to get moving. So you have to be a little bit more creative, but certainly, um, you know, we need to find a way to get better. We took a step back last year. Um, it, it wasn't acceptable. I, I believe we're a better team than how we played, but yet our record's a record. It is what it is. And we have to decide what part of that season was a result of a, of a pandemic or things that could change and, and and will change and how much of it's just we got to get better. So uh, those are the decisions we're going through now and uh, the conversations we're having and and uh, you know we'll we'll look to do what we can. We'll look to make changes and and um, you know we'll see we'll see what happens here over the next two or three weeks initially and then even into next season as teams continue I think to to tinker with their lineup. So there'll be there'll be opportunities this summer and into next year and. Uh, but obviously we'd like to make some improvements and have a better team going into next year. I think things are going to come pretty fast and furious here. I mean, everything is kind of really condensed together. First, the expansion draft and then the draft and then the entry draft and then free agency. Um, I guess to start with the expansion draft, Chuck, I, how, how long in advance do you really start to look at something like that? I mean, it's such a unique experience and hockey only happens once every so often. I mean, obviously we've had it twice in four years now, but um, how, how often, how long in advance do you really start looking at that and start saying, well, maybe we put this guy, maybe we don't kind of thing. And, and then when does it really start to come together where you think you, you pretty much have your finalized list? Well, I, I think you, um, I mean, we looked at it on a very cursory level. As soon as we heard about Seattle coming in and the potential rules, you're always looking to see what issues you may have or what areas, uh, you know, where you may have to look into. Uh, but seriously, uh, probably coming out of the pandemic in, in Toronto, or sorry, out of the bubble in Toronto uh, at the end of the playoffs um, two seasons ago and going into that off season, you know, first of all, you have to make sure you have um, a goalie to per, to expose. You need to have a, at least one and that you have uh, certain players that meet the requirements that can be exposed and that you don't have any major protection issues. So we really started uh, digging into it in the offseason last year and and continue to, you know, to monitor it uh, over the season. So, uh, you know, it, it, I would say most teams would probably do it that way. I mean, I remember um, last offseason, once a lot of the signings had already happened, we looked at every team in the league and what potential issues they may have with with expansion to see if there's teams that may be looking to make moves or add players or, or had to get rid of somebody. So you're, you're looking at it pretty seriously about a year out. Was so there? Any Chuck, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Russ. So Chuck, to that end, when you start looking at this after the bubble 
and now you've had a, a season to kind of assess, especially some of the younger players on this team. Is there a guy on this roster? And I know that you said that you've had informal conversations, not any formal notice. But is there a guy on this team who played his way onto the protected list that you might not have necessarily been as sold on a year ago about protecting? No, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, obviously there's uh, a young man, Oscar Lindblom, who we are going to uh, protect, but, you know, a year ago there was different questions and, and, and about that. So I think there's some players that you had to, you had to, assess where they're going to be at from a health perspective. Uh, but in terms of playing them on and off, not really. I mean, a young kid like Joel Farabee is exempt. Uh, he's not a player that we have to uh, protect. Uh, he's just exempt. And obviously he had a big season this year. He That that type of season, uh, you, you know, what that may have changed a, a, an opinion on a player had he, had he been in that category. But uh, no, I think it was more from a health perspective. That's the biggest thing. You want to make sure uh, who's healthy? Did anybody have a really terrible injury that maybe changed your opinion or changed your status or or somebody that got healthy and, and played really well? But, you know, I think you, you know, players like, uh, you know, a player like Oscar Lindblom, obviously what he went through, seeing that he's back healthy, was able to play, I think gave us that, uh, uh, you know, that we feel very comfortable now that knowing that he's going to be uh, even better next year, he's healthy and uh, he's going to be a guy that can contribute to you know, to our roster here for the next couple of years, for sure. Yeah. Following up on Russ's question, the, the one name that I thought about when we were talking about this beforehand, Chuck, and I, I I think I thought about this name because there was some uncertainty with him at the trade deadline. It's Scott Lawton, um, just not knowing where he would, if he would fit, if he would be on the roster even to, to be a protectable player. Um, so that's why I thought maybe you might mention his name in, in this in this way, does that kind of fit that, that mold maybe? Yeah, but with Scott, I think it would have been different because I was either going to sign him or trade him. Okay. And uh, we were close to trading him. We, we had several teams and, and I give Scott credit, as I mentioned, he, uh, you, you know, I think he adjusted his number uh, in a direction that uh, made me happy. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, we gave him a fifth year, which I think made him happy at his age and the way he skates. We didn't think that was a big risk and there's always risk. But, uh, you know, I, I think with Scott, it was always going to be he was going to be traded and we were going to get a couple picks or whatever it was going to be or he was going to be signed and, and part of our group. And and uh, so, you know, Scott's uh, Scott's a good hockey player. And he's one of those young men that if you did trade him, my sense was if if we play the way we do next year, the way I believe we're going to play next year, then, and we had traded him. Now we're just going to be going out and trading assets to get a guy like Scott Lawton. So, mm -hmm. you know, you're, I don't know that you're ever going to quite get ahead. You just be sort of spinning your, your tires there. But, uh, but I think his, he, you know, he answered the question for us, thankfully, and I give him a lot of credit and we're really happy he returned. You had mentioned in the press conference that you pretty much have your, list set. I mean, there's you know, always I any, mean, something can happen between now and, and when it's finally due next week. But um, do, you, do you look at this and say that there are some, some tough phone calls that you're going to have to have with players, maybe even players who, who've been here for a while and, and, and just kind of like, Hey, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see. We don't know what Seattle's going to do, but this possibility does exist. Yeah. They're never easy conversations. I, I think with some of the players, there's been some communication already, um, I think you owe it to the players to try to be, 
you know, up front with them and, and explain to them why. But uh, I think the players get it, and in particular in a in an era right now where the cap isn't moving, and, and I think everybody realizes that cap space is at a premium, even more so than it normally is. And so I, the, the players understand, and um, for the most part, they, they often don't like what they hear, but I think they do understand. So without, I without guess getting it, into without getting sorry Russ one more follow up yeah. on that without getting into real specifics though Chuck um, you know obviously Seattle's been allowed to start talking to other teams for a little bit now um, would you say that there have been a lot of conversations with Ron Francis in Seattle at this point or just kind of like touch you know touch and base stuff kind of kicking tires and not really anything substantial well I, I've had seven eight nine conversations with Ron going back a few months and, and, uh, you know, he's doing his homework. I'm doing mine. And, and, uh, you know, they, they have a pretty good idea about our list. I mean, they have a big staff. They've been studying the same names all year on every team. So they, I I don't think there'll be many surprises from their perspective when they get the 31, uh, sorry, the 30 lists and Vegas is exempt. They don't have to participate. Uh, so they'll get 30 lists and my guess is they're going to be, pretty spot on with what teams are doing. And so it's just been more, is there, you know, somebody that's, you, you think we're going to protect that you have interest in is there, you know, there's also, they're, they're going to draft a lot of players and maybe there's a way of speaking to them about having them draft a player that we can then trade for. So there, there's different, you, you know, avenues here and different conversations that have been had that I'm sure every team's had. And, uh, you know, it's it's been great. Ron's been great. He, he's a good poker player. He keeps things uh, close to the vest as he should. And and I'm not, I think I have some ideas on the direction they're going to go, but it wouldn't surprise me if I'm completely wrong because he's been pretty good. But but yeah, no, we've we've had a lot of conversations and, and tried to uh, see if there's any way we can we can help them or they can help us. So Seattle happened to hire a coach that has some pretty intimate knowledge of the the personnel on this team. Have you had a conversation with Ron Francis since they hired Dave Haxtall? And if so, have you gotten the feeling that perhaps some of the conversations that you had with him about potential deals or who they may or may not be interested in changed with that hiring? You know, I haven't really gotten that sense. I've had a couple conversations with Ron since then and, and uh, you know, spoke with Ron and his staff about Dave as well during their process. So, uh you know, first of all, I'm, I'm really, really happy for for Hack. He's uh, he's a really good hockey man, and he's a great human being. So, you know, he's got a ton of experience, and and you know, he's worked in Toronto the last few years. So, I know he's really excited to get that opportunity to get that second opportunity as an NHL head coach. And walking in with a clean slate is going to be exciting for him, and, and and obviously all the staff there. But it's hard to say. I, I I don't know. Again, Ron's pretty good. He's 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 got a pretty good poker face. Clearly, Hack would know the team well, but, you know, so does Ron Francis. He was in this conference for a while. Jason Bodrell, who's been helping Ron, uh, you know, worked in Buffalo for a few years. Uh, Ricky Olchuk was was in Carolina and Toronto, different places. So uh, they know the Eastern Conference. These guys know know our team well, and, and I don't know if anything would have changed with, with, with Hack going in, but certainly – he could speak to the character of, of the players that we make available and maybe their injury history. I'm sure he would have some perspective that, that, that he could bring to the table to shed a little bit more light on our players. Now, uh, since he's, uh, since, since Dave Haxtell has an understanding of, of this team and players that he may or may, or may not have had a higher stock in considering the fact that you've reiterated a number of times that 
trying to move uh, money in a flat cap is difficult. And considering the fact that, you know, this player apparently went on a, a radio show abroad and said something to the extent of Philadelphia is a second home, but eventually you do have to acknowledge that things do come to an end at some point. W- could you confirm that there may or may not have been conversations with a player like Jake Voracek or his agent that, you know, the expansion draft's coming up and there's there's a chance. There's a chance that he could be left exposed. Oh, definitely. I've definitely had those conversations with Jake. And I, I had a lot of conversations with Jake during the year. And you know what? There's no secret. He's, he's getting a little bit older. He's got a big cap hit. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, any manager's not doing their job if they don't have conversations with players. And, you know, we have to look at, at different ways of getting better. And, and, and having said that, he tied for the league lead, sorry, tied for the team league and scoring. He, he's still a really good hockey player. So I can see a lot of paths where Jake would be a part of our team next year and, and still a valuable contributing member of our team. And and certainly there could be uh, ways where, where he is. I mean, I'm not trying to be vague. It, I don't know how it's going to play out with other teams or with expansion specifically as it relates to Jake. But, um, you know, when you when you make that kind of money in a flat cap era, you're you're going to, you know, there's going to be conversations involving you. That's just the way it works. And and he understands that. And, and uh, we have a great relationship and certainly no acrimony. There's uh, there's been no ultimatums either way. It's just, Jake, we got to get better. Um, you know, I'm going to have to look at every way of getting better. And he gets it. He gets it. He loves Philly. I think ultimately he would like to be here. All things going well. And that very well may be the reality. Yeah, it's, it's in ways where he's not. I, I got to imagine, Chuck, that you have a bit of a flow chart, right? I mean, basing on what Seattle does and then what the next move is for the Flyers based off of that, correct? No, absolutely. And, and, and look, we're talking to teams right now and, you know, depending if this player isn't selected or that player isn't selected, would you trade this player for that player? There all those conversations are happening league wide. And my guess is there'll be more trades after uh, the certainty of the expansion draft. Once that's over and you know, for sure who you're going to lose and um, you know, you can't mess up your expansion list anymore once the, once the draft is over. So it certainly gets simpler to, to make trades after. And I, but I do think there's a lot of uh, conversations going on with contingencies and, you know, we're looking for this and, um, you know, let's, let's talk based on what Seattle does. So there, there's a lot of that going on. And, and as always, there's a lot more conversations that lead to nowhere than lead to actual moves, but, but it's good. It, it's been great. And I think, again, everybody's looking to improve. There seems to be a lot of unhappy, um, managers this year maybe more than normal i'm not sure why Uh, maybe the frustration of the flat cap and the pandemic and the crazy year that we all went through but a lot of people are trying to make things happen and and that's why the next could two weeks could be interesting to see if uh you know if there's more moves than there normally are i i have a tough question here for you chuck and and this might be you know i might be asking it slightly the wrong way but maybe you can kind of you know answer it in your own way you know to make it better um Overall, when you look at where you were at the end of last season and where you want to be at the beginning of next season, do you have a number in mind of different 
players or different number of players that you want to have on the NHL roster. And this could include players from within the organization who are maybe graduating from, you know, either junior or the AHL to come into the, to come into the NHL. Is it, is it somewhere in that five to six range? Is that kind of a fair number or am I just throwing a number out there that that's wrong? Well, I guess it depends on how you count it. I mean, I, I think there will have to be three or four just with, with uh, players leaving and, you know, whether a Cam York or a Wade Allison or those types of players, I'm not sure if you're counting them, if they can step right. up and grab it. Um, you know, so there, there's going to be some every year. I I don't know that I have a, a firm number. Um, you know, I, we're, we're not just going to make change for the sake of making change. And in some cases, I mean, our cap number's out there. And, and unless we're able to move a player to we're going to be somewhat limited with the amount of cap space we have. We only have so much. There's only so many moves you can make with that short of, again, creating additional cap space by moving players. So part of how aggressive we'll be will be dependent on what type of space we're able to free up. I mean, that's that's obvious. And, and uh, But, you know, I, I said it earlier today, being the biggest priority for me, and it's on everything. I mean, we were right at the bottom of the league in goals against. I mean, we were, we were 27th, I think, in 18-19, my first year here. Uh, we were able to get all the way to 7th, and, and not too surprisingly, we had a much better team and a pretty good hockey team, and we were considered to be one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference, and this year we fell right to the bottom again, and we're no good. So we have to be better defensively. Now, that obviously, we got to look to the outside to improve. We got to look at adding a player here and there. We I get that, but... Look, we need some of the guys that were here to be much better, and and we need to have a a real good training camp where we we relearn our systems and our structure. We need to take advantage of our practice time. We need to have guys focused in on puck management, positioning again. It starts up the ice with our forwards who cheated way too much last year. Our some of our young D have to be better than what they were last year, and our goalies have to stop the puck way more often than they did last year. So. There's got to be a lot of internal improvement. There's got to be, um, again, a much better training camp than what we were able to accomplish in our eight days last year. Uh, we have to make better use of our practice time. I have to look to add a couple pieces. And if we can do all that, we surely to goodness can be much better defensively. If we do that, we'll be a competitive team again. If we don't do that, we'll be in the same position next year. I mean, it. it you know, we have some good players, but we, we can't be at the bottom of the league defensively. We just can't be. And, and uh, it's the most disappointing thing I've seen going from where we were from seventh to the bottom of the pile. I mean, it's incredible we, we were able to fall that far, but we did. And uh, we got to fix it. And, and we're certainly going to do everything we can. And I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that doesn't happen again. It's pretty clear that, a, you know, as an organization, we were relying on a, a number of young players to take that next step forward. And it's probably safe to say that not many of them did. You mentioned Joel Farabee as a guy who did. I think we can all probably agree that he probably took the biggest step of any young player on the team. But considering that it, it didn't exactly pan out how you wanted, wanted it to a year ago, is there now kind of, you know, more of an onus on the or an urgency on the the need to add a few veteran players, whether it's on the blue line or somebody else who can help to elevate some of your young forwards, uh, rather than kind of going back and, and almost effectively running it back. Yeah, well, I don't know that we can run it back because we have some holes we have to fill. But, you know, certainly um, we were too inexperienced on the blue line. There's no question about that. I think our fourth line was probably too inexperienced. 
you know, losing Thompson and Pitlick and some players like that that had played in the league and had a little bit more experience. Uh, we, we gave some opportunities and some of that was out of the cap. I mean, we just had, didn't have the ability um, to to match the type of offer, say, that Pitlick got. We didn't have that kind of money. Um, so, you know, certainly I think we recognize that, that if we can have a little bit more experience in some places, that will help. Uh, maybe have a little bit more of an identity to our fourth line. Uh, you look at a lot of the Stanley Cup winning teams, you look at the number of games our defense scores played relative to some of these teams that have won. We're, we're a little light. Uh, after Justin Braun, we really don't have anybody that's played more than 300 games in the league, I think. Maybe Ghost. Uh, but we're, we're, we're light on experience. And and uh, and yet, as I mentioned earlier, since 2014, the focus of the franchise has been about drafting and developing. And it's pretty tough to do a 180. So, you know, we do have to run it back with some of these young players because this is who we are. And, and um, uh, you know, and, and we need some of these young players to step up and to use the experience, uh, perhaps the negative experience they had last year to to learn from that, to grow from that and to come back the hockey player that they can be for us to get better because there's only so much you can, you, you know, you, you look the top teams, most of them have grown their core um, you know, through the draft and develop that core. They've supplemented things through free agency or added, a, you know, made a couple key trades, no question. But you need to grow uh, grow your way to a cup. And, and that was the philosophy that, that Hexy put in going back to 14. He's not, he's not wrong with that philosophy. We just have to make sure we have the right players. And, and that, that's, that's the focus right now. And, and uh, where do we have to change? And, and who do we have to believe in and just be demanding and, and make those guys uh, better? Chuck, I know we only have you for a few more minutes. So I, I wanted to do some, some fun stuff with you. Um, that wasn't fun? No. <laughs> I think it was fun. Well, yes, yeah, so I, I think it was definitely fun, but I, I wanted to take it a step further. Let's, let's expand our fun if we can. Um, you know, I remember, I remember growing up uh, when I think I was like 12 years old, I remember saying to my dad, I was a big baseball fan. I remember saying to my dad, how come you couldn't work in baseball? Like I, like I wanted to grow up in a baseball family. Um, you had the luxury of, of kind of living out my dream in hockey in the sense that your dad was general manager when you were very young. Um, I think uh, you were still in Atlanta and Calgary when you were that age. Um, and then eventually, I guess, as you got a little bit older, your, your, your dad went and took over in Toronto. I guess the, the the first question, it's a two-part question. The first question is, what was that like for you as a, as a young guy, young sports fan, young hockey fan, to have a dad who was a GM? And then the second part of the question is, was there ever any move that your dad made that you sat, sat there and said, what are you doing? Like, what are you, why, what are you thinking, <laughs> dad? Like, why, why did you do that? <laughs> you know, uh, the first part, it was absolutely the coolest thing ever. Uh, I mean, he, he was named general manager of the Atlanta Flames in 72. I was five years old. And so basically from my earliest memories, he's been a general manager uh, in the league or was, you know, right in through uh, the late 90s, basically. And that's how I grew up. I remember going down to the rink with them on Saturday mornings when they had a, the Atlanta Flames had a Saturday home game. I'd hang out in the dressing room. I'd bother the trainers. I'd be running around, stealing sticks, talking to the players, watching practice, uh, the extra nets that they have in the the game nets, because usually they have practice nets they put out for practice. The game nets sit in the back. I would take a stick and go shoot pucks and run around the building when it was empty. Uh, you know, I just, I lived down there and I knew all the players. I knew everybody in the building. 
and uh, you know during game nights you know when I was allowed to go uh, eventually I got to go to every game but usually just weekends when I was you know in elementary school or, or what have you and I'd sit with my dad and David Poyle who was his assistant GM we had four seats and and they would sit in seat one and two and I'd seat and sit three I'd sit in seat three and watch every game with them that I was allowed to go to so I felt like I was part of the management group and I'm sure they must have just rolled their eyes all the time but but there's no doubt that I'm in the business today um, uh, because of my dad, because I had a lifelong apprenticeship, I guess, but certainly loved the game, grew up around the game and never wanted to leave the game and and uh, put my energy into trying to get in. And and uh, thankfully, Bob Clark hired me in 93 to work for the Florida Panthers and and uh, got my break and, and been fired a few times, but have been able to, to kind of hang on enough that here I am uh, 28 years later. So. So very, very fortunate, uh, but it was the coolest thing ever. You know, the only, I just remember one time in in, in middle school, uh, junior high, whatever we called it up in Calgary, but the uh, Calgary Flames are going through a particularly tough stretch and some kid made a comment and I popped him. And then when we got in a fight and then next thing I know, I'm in the principal's office and the principal said, well, why'd you hit him in the head? I said, because he said my dad sucked. So I punched him in the face. He said, do you think that's right? I said, it felt right. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I had got sent home and I got whatever detention, whatever you do. And my dad thought it was pretty funny. But, you know, I, I kind of learned you have to have thick skin. And, you know, and, and through the years when I, when I was manager in Minnesota, you kind of have to feel when the team's going through a tough stretch, you know that you're sure your kids are getting some comments or things are if they're into social media and they're reading that I can only imagine for example this year what must have been said I don't follow it but I can't imagine there's a lot of people saying how really smart I was all year so you know your kids got to live through that and and that's a tough part of it but um but yeah for the most part it was it was awesome how old uh how old are your kids my kids are in their 20s now so they've they've grown up and, and uh you know they're they're they they know that I'm that uh, I'm not that smart, so they're they're well beyond that. They realized that a long time ago, so they they probably agree with most of the criticism. I was going to ask you then. So they were at an age they're they're similar to me, I guess. So then, how much of a rock star were you at home when Suter and Parise were signed? Because I have to imagine that everybody at, at the time must have been over the moon, right? Yeah, it was a crazy day. We we announced the signings on July 4th in Minnesota. So it was uh, literally, um, they, they were calling the ticket people back into the office. I think uh, the season tickets went from about 8,000 to 14,000 within about three days. And and it, it was crazy. But uh, no, it's been fun. And, and my kids, uh, my son played hockey. So, you know, we had a lot of um, gatherings at our house all the time. And a lot of the kids would come by, they want to ask you hockey questions. And so that you know that part was really fun and and uh, certainly again it's always better when the team's winning and you're one of the better teams in the league as opposed to a a non-playoff team those, those years sometimes uh, my kids friends didn't want to hang out quite as much those years but <laughs> but uh, no I think it, uh, it, it it's it's a you know look it's great to, it's a, it's a great business um, it's been great to me and but growing up the son of a general manager particularly pre social media was pretty cool so now you can go out and sign those two guys again for the veteran minimum now, Chuck, now that they were bought out in Minnesota. You just yeah, do it all I just over heard again. That. I, I haven't read that. I just, I just heard that's kind of a bombshell. So. Yeah. 
Um, I guess the last thing is, you know, outside of hockey, you have some kind of a, you have some hobbies that you like to do. Some things. Are you a are you a TV watcher? Are you a you stream anything on like Netflix or anything like that? Is there any stuff that you're into? No, I, I'm boring. I, I I just love absolutely love baseball. So I follow baseball extremely closely. I yeah. watch it all this, this, the way the seasons line up. The summer you can watch baseball every night. There's no hockey on. I do love the NFL, and I got pretty close with uh, the Vikings management, Rick Spielman, and and uh, they used to invite invite us out to uh, the training camps, and we'd invite him out. So I follow the Vikings pretty closely, and the NFL a bit, but I'm absolutely a, a massive baseball fan, but otherwise I'm, I'm really boring, um, really boring. <laughs> it's a pretty all encompassing job. And, and, uh, but we, you know, we like to travel. We like to do some things like that in the off season, but it's pretty much hockey all the time. And if not, I'm probably have a Phillies game on in the background or, or, or watching a game on whatever channel has baseball. I, I know you. I knew you were going to say Phillies, but outside of that, you got and you got to say it because you're in Philadelphia, and that was smart of you, Chuck. I give you a lot of credit. Smart. Give you a lot well of credit. But there has to be a team that you grew up. If you're a big baseball fan, that you grew up loving as a kid, who who was it? Well, I I grew up. Um, believe it or not, I've, I've loved the Red Sox ever since uh, Fred Lynn and Jim Rice were were rookies, and Carly Ostrowski was my favorite player, and mm-hmm. and so I've loved the Red Sox forever. I went to school in the Boston area, so. Uh, you know, I'm still a big Red Sox fan, but wherever I've gone, I, I grew up in Atlanta, so I watched the Braves, and that was back in the day, even when Hank Aaron was still playing, and Dale Murphy was one of my favorite players growing mm-hmm. up, and I followed the Twins when I was in Minnesota, and I follow the Phillies now, and 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 always always cheer for the hometown team. But going back, if I collected baseball cards, Carly Ostrowski, Fred Rice, Dwight Evans, Carlton Fisk, Freddie Lynn. Uh, going back then, lived through the 86 debacle and, and uh, have been able to um, enjoy the success they've had in recent years. So that's awesome. I'm not I'm not as big of a, uh, a baseball fan unless the Phillies are doing well. I'll admit that of all the, the things that I support. But are you are you finding yourself uh, as marveled by Otani as it seems like the rest of the baseball world is like I from from a very casual baseball fan perspective, what he's able to do as both a pitcher and a hitter to me is mind-blowing as somebody who is a massive baseball fan are you quite as fixated and and obsessed with what he's able to do or yeah you kind of it's incredible and the man can run too i'm I'm sure if he wasn't a pitcher they let him steal bases all the time but Mm -hmm. i mean he hits massive home runs great hand eye hits for average hits for power then he goes out and strikes everybody out i mean he he's a an elite hitter an elite pitcher and again he's an elite athlete and it's incredible. It's incredible to, like, I'm sure there's pitchers that could hit, that hit really well through college or hit really well through high school, but haven't kept up with it or have lost it. But to still be that good at both, especially with the demands of the pitching position, it's incredible. So it's, it's, he's fun to watch. It's great for baseball. And um, I mean, it's, it's pretty cool that kids can, can see that and see it can be done and aspire to that too. Well, Chuck, thank you very much for your time. We really do appreciate it. Um, best of luck to you in the next couple of weeks and then obviously moving forward. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, the, the the team will be a lot of fun in, in 21, 22, and we'll have a lot of good stuff to talk about. And, you know, we'll get you back on the show when things are things are really going well and things are moving along for the Flyers as you guys become a competitor again. That will be better and we'll be more fun. I promise you that. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks That's again, good. Chuck. Thank you so much. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a man who I will say has uh, has certainly done a lot 
to help his image uh, and by doing the interview with us. And that is Chuck Fletcher. Mm -hmm. I say that because uh, I am now no longer willing to get into a bar fight uh with chuck fletcher i never was actually but all i keep thinking now is i would never want to get into like a schoolyard fight with chuck fletcher um quite frankly i shouldn't get in a fight with anybody but chuck fletcher admitting that as a child he knocked out well he he decked another kid i'm here for it that's awesome i I gotta say uh we should make that clip go viral and then we should send it to ron francis and say (laughs) you could be next that's right take 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 a check bag the kraken Tag the Kraken. This could happen you know? to you if you don't take Jake Voracek. <laughs> I know that like uh, John Gruden's the one that they compared to Chucky from Child's Play, but like we could do a little bit of creative photoshopping. This yeah, man could be a stone cold, you know, knockout hitter. I don't know. I don't know how to feel. I certainly feel pretty good about it, but I, um, I, I guess a few things that we need to get into. First of all, let's talk about the expansion draft uh, and some tidbits that he dropped there. Most notably, that he has had the conversation with Jake Voracek about not being protected by the team. I think we've all kind of seen that coming. There have been reports out there, but this feels like the first definitive time that he's actually come out and effectively said, yes, he will be unprotected. And by virtue of some of the things that he said a little bit later in, in that quote really kind of gives credence to the notion that if he's not taken by Seattle, they fully intend on exploring the trade market it's unlikely that Jake Borchek is back next year. Yeah, I think I think so. Well, I don't know. So I don't want to say it's unlikely just yet, Russ. It's a, um, let me rephrase. It's yeah. unlikely that they don't go through the offseason having multiple conversations. Like I would think that by the sheer number of conversations that they'll end up having about him, I would say it's it's unlikely that they're sitting back and are willing to go into a season without exploring every possible option. It, Correct. It seems like you have enough conversations that. Something yeah. will probably break. Yeah, and and it's it's interesting, you know. I, that's why I I brought up the uh, Chuck Fletcher flowchart, right? I mean, yeah, you know, you know, I only asked it in uh, in relation to uh, the Seattle pick, um, but I thought that there was a really interesting nugget in there where he said, um, and I think that Chuck does this. I think Chuck drops these hints in his pressers. I think he's a little bit more savvy than we give him credit for. And he says something like, um, maybe there's a deal in there where there's a player on another team and we want them to, dr- that's available on the unprotected list. And we want them to draft them for us and then work out a trade with us for that player. Yeah. That's an, that's an interesting possibility, right? Like it's a real interesting possibility. So like I, when he threw that out there, he said that in our interview, didn't, he didn't say that in the presser. Uh, he did not. with everybody else. So he, when he throws that out there, like to me, I almost look at that as like, Hey, here's a little, here's a little nugget for you guys. That's probably one of the conversations in the eight or nine calls that he's had with Ron, Ron Francis that they're yeah. talking about. Like, Hey, if you're not going to take this player from this team, we might be interested in them. Um, so maybe we can work something out where you tra- where you take them and we'll give you something that you like better from our team for that player in return. So I like I thought that was a huge nugget that just kind of got dropped in there. Um, and I, I think I, I think you might have caught me smiling as soon as you said it, because I, that was kind of like, well, there we go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's something. Right. Um, yep. So like I, I, I thought that was kind of important. Um, and I and, I, and I, I look at it and I sit there and say, 
you know, with the flow chart thing again, um, Chuck's got if this, then that kind of mapped out, right? Like, so if Seattle does this, then we will do, then our next step is this. If they do this, then our next step is this. Um, If we can work a trade with them, then this is what we'll do. If we can't work a trade with them, then this is what we'll do. So I think that there's a lot to, to kind of really consider. And I think the Flyers have multiple I bet you if you went into his office and, and there would be on a whiteboard somewhere, there would be all kinds of, you know, possibilities that would play out, you know, let's try to do this if this happens. And then, the, and then this branch and then this branch and then this, it would be really kind of like a cool thing to look at. And it would, you know, sure. you'd walk in and it would be um, you know, like somebody trying, like if you watch one of those murder mystery shows and they have like the little rope connecting pins together, yeah, like, right? Yeah. Uh, it's always sunny. It'd have like yeah. a silver, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're trying to, I mean, I bet you that there's something like that uh, in Chuck's office for this summer. I, I really, I really do believe that. And it was interesting also, and this doesn't come into our, um, interview but it was certainly something it ties into the what we're talking about but when with the media availability they did talk and they were asking them about the first round pick and they really dived went in a lot of questions about the draft i mean brent flair assistant gm was also there to answer a lot of those questions but Mm -hmm. when chuck said um that the first round pick is a, a really good asset yeah that tells me he's trading it right that, tells that my me. friend, is one of the reasons why I went. And, and I'm not going to go with like a full turn here because yeah. I've been pretty critical about the fact that like I don't think that Chuck Fletcher has shown in his track record that he's willing or able to gut a team via trade and, and make those changes. But when you hear him say that uh, he's asked, can the number 13 overall pick be involved? in a potential deal. And he says, sure. He's like, I know Brent wants me to hang on to it, but it can be. And I'm more willing this year than, you know, pretty much most other years to make that trade. And you add that to the the previous context in that, um, that availability that Brent Flair said that it really is an eight or nine player draft um, where all the teams probably have those same players just in a different order. To me, hearing him not only say that, if the number 13 overall pick is the asset itself, or if it's part of a package, the guy you better be getting, or the guy you, you get back better be somebody who can contribute, not just now, but, but for a few years, at least that I would say is probably pretty indicative of the fact that they've already had conversations that involve that pick. And so if you've been going into this off season with the hope that there are going to be deals made that are going to significantly improve this team, that to me is about as, as outward and and vocal as it can be. And he also noted multiple times in the flyers. I think it's worth noting really do fall into this category that there are a lot of teams that would rather wait until after the expansion draft to make a trade because you have your list set, you know, who you want to protect, you know, who you're willing to allow to, to, to potentially get snagged. You don't want to make a trade, have to adjust your list and then potentially lose a player that you flat out did not want to lose and would have otherwise had protected. So it's, he, he mentioned things like pending contingencies. It was like looking for a house again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- that part of the press conference and then some of the things that he said to us in the interview are pretty indicative to me of a guy who's already had many, many conversations. And to your point, has that organizational flow chart of, all right, if they zig, we zag over here. 
if this option is taken off the table, we have these two or three other ones lined up. I actually walk away from Tuesday in these two different, you know, arenas. And, and I feel much better about the flyers chances of turning this thing around because it feels like he actually has that urgency, not stupid, irrational urgency, but he knows that things need to be improved and they need to be improved pretty quickly, or he might not have this opportunity next off season to go in and plan for another year. Well, yeah. And then, you know, I mentioned before, um, before the interview, the uh, question that I asked him about, um, hey, you know, what's the number of turnover, like player turnover that we're looking at on your NHL roster? And I yeah. threw out five or six, right? I mean, that was what I did, which I think is a conservative number. But I, I wanted to just say just to see if he would go a little higher or if he would come lower and I would have been like, oh, no. Because you also yeah. asked about running it back. And he said, we can't run it back. That was yeah. that was a, so I'm tying these two together. The one thing he said to you about we can't run it back. That was a great quote, because that's basically admitting that we cannot bring back the same group of people that we had last season and expect Bingo. to have a different outcome. Right. That's the definition yep. of insanity. So that was really cool. Number one. And then secondly, when I gave the number that while Chuck didn't didn't give a, an official number, he said off the bat three or four definitely like have to change. So like you got three or four, and he says, I don't know if you're counting Cam York and and um, uh, what's the name, um, the forward uh, with, the, with the shot. Oh my God, well, Wade Allison. Uh, yeah. If we're if we're if we're I don't know if you're counting those guys or not. He said, but then there's those two, and he says, and then I'd probably need to get two more. So I'm sitting there going, okay, so there's three or four. You count those two guys. That's six, and then two more. That's like eight. That's like a big turnover, right? I mean, so yeah. that's what, what that's what he's expecting. And I look at it and I say, well, darn right. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. And he thinks he can do all that with the salary restrictions that he has. So you're looking at, okay, does Voracek go? Does JVR go? Does Gossip Bear go? Are you trading other assets that we don't know about on this roster? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I, and I think another thing that was kind of imperative and man, I know I'm a little all over the place right now, but I, I kind of okay. got, got fired up right for a second there. Whew, got to, Got to got to pull it down a little bit, but um, the other thing that he Anthony, said, put your shirt back on. We don't need this. This isn't like a last episode. Go ahead. <laughs> the, I like one. We had a guy who tweeted said, "Hey, like nice and put a shirt on for this for this interview." Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, he mentioned in the um, regular presser, not in ours, but in the regular presser, um, you know, he talked about restricted free agents and said, or the the Flyers restricted free agents. And said, yeah. oh, we got a lot of time on those guys. Mm -hmm. The reason you have a lot of time on those guys is maybe they're maybe they're not a priority at this point. I'm Carter Hart aside, right? Obviously, he's a priority. But yeah. um, but you know, you look at a, you know, again, we're talking Nolan Patrick. Are you gonna are you gonna negotiate the new Nolan Patrick contract or are you gonna include him in a deal and let somebody else deal with that? Well, I mean, right. We also have to kind of come to an agreement on what his actual value is and you know, we're obviously lower. We're obviously low on him. And, and the thought is like, maybe there's a team that's out there that, that wants to take a flyer on the uh, no pun intended on, you know, the upside and, and what he could be. But to me, he's, he's effectively a piece of a package. That's like the third or fourth thing that's mentioned in a package. And I, I don't even know what he really gets you back to be honest. But to your point, the, the current RFAs they have are Carson Twarenski, Nolan Patrick, Travis Sanheim and Carter Hart. 
The only guy that really is of note on that list is Carter Hart, probably followed by Travis Sanheim. Torinsky, I mean, they'll they'll presumably re-sign. I don't know what that number is going to look like. It's not going to be much. And then Nolan Patrick, it's it's the ultimate question, right? Because we've talked about this a bunch of times, but all all indications are that the that this team, this organization doesn't necessarily feel the loyalty to him. Um, a Chuck Fletcher led front office that was not responsible for drafting him might not feel as tied to the player. And that Nolan Patrick would probably like a start somewhere else, possibly out West. So I have to think that he's an asset that's been discussed. And it seems almost inconceivable that he's on this team when training camp breaks in the fall. I agree. Just- uh, and it, but I also think Sanheim is interesting. Like, you know, we've had this discussion. And well, yeah. I've said, I, I've said say, I'd rather keep Sanheim than Myers personally. Yep. I mean, I, you know, I would if I was, you know, the, the person in charge. But you can't overlook the fact that he's a, an RFA and maybe teams are asking about him. And if you're the Flyers, like, all right, well, they'll have to deal with that salary. That's not it's another salary that I don't have to count against our books. Um, yeah. So that's another it's another interesting thing there, too. So. And you obviously yeah. have to hope like because because Myers and Sanheim have been discussed as much as they have. And it's something that we've talked about a bunch like Sanheim might be the better player. Myers might have the more offensive upside. Myers, you have under contract for this season coming up in the one after a two and a half million before he becomes an RFA. Sanheim's 25. So he's a year older. And you do have to kind of question what that deal is going to end up looking like. And if you would be better served instead of, you know, theoretically extending him, maybe you make him you know, part of a package for like, say, a Ryan Ellis or if Seth Jones were to work out, although the Chicago move for his brother seems to uh, be indicative of a team that's trying to sweeten the pot and, and try to get an extension worked out ahead of time. Like if Sanheim ends up being the guy that has to go, you know, you're right. There is no urgency to, to trying to come up with a, a contract for him. Um, you know, Fletcher did mention that deadlines and everything are, are at play there, and that's why there's not as much urgency. I actually found it almost as interesting, if not more so, that uh, he was pretty dismissive of the UFAs on this team. And I, I know that some people have asked the question if, if Brian Elliott's going to be back. Brian Elliott will not be back. It, it would really be a shock to the system if, if he were brought back. Dave Scott, in his media availability after the season, or you know, like towards the end, said that we need a backup goalie. That doesn't sound like it's a roaring, uh, a roaring endorsement of Brian Elliott. I don't think that that's Dave Scott on his own coming up with that. I'm guessing that's probably from conversations he's had with the front office. By the way, he hasn't spoken for 65 days. Just going to throw that out there. Go ahead. Go on. Well, hey, he always has an open invitation here on Snow the Goalie. We just had the team president on. We've had a lot of people on. I think we've now established that we're okay. We're not going to blindside him. He can certainly show up whenever he wants. I will also open the floor to Val Camilla to come on the show. We've had this conversation before. I'm totally fine with anybody from the, the head honchos of the Flyers to come on to the show. And, you know, we're fair. We're fair yes. and balanced, right? We report you to sign. See, Chuck, listen, I, I, we just have to say, Chuck Fletcher, we just had a nice interview. We had a nice chat with him. At any point, do we make him uncomfortable? Yes, once. When you said, well, you can get Parise and Suter on veteran minimum deals. <laughs> after, after we had just set up really nice things, you like kind of gave him, you know, a little, little kick to the groin on that one. <laughs> And I think he reacted well. 
He laughed. But, um, he laughed with if, me. Listen, if he doesn't come back on the show at some point, it's <laughs> it's going to be because of that. It's nothing I said, which is nice. Like, I feel pretty good about not being the one responsible. Anyway, I digress. To me, you're going to go out and get a, a backup netminder. I wouldn't be surprised if you kept Alex Lyon around for organizational depth. But like, realistically, you also don't want him taking away opportunities from Carlos Domenko or from Felix Sandstrom. Um, they have a number of goalies in the system. That actually brings me to one of the interesting notes from the press conference from Brent Flair, which was, you know, there are two goalies right now that are thought to be potential first round picks that could be there at 13, maybe. And the question was, if one of the, those goalies were to fall to you at 13, does the presence of Carter Hart and some of that organizational depth preclude you from making that selection? And Flair said, we're going to go by who the best guy on the board is not by position. And he noted that within, you know, it could, it could just be even within a couple of years, your organizational needs change. That's totally right. That's why you don't draft for position. You have to go with best available because anything can happen, whether it's at the AHL level or whether it's below, whether it's one of your potential college prospects that you draft that and, and heck, even at the NHL level, things can change. You can have a, a guy come out of nowhere and solidify a position that you thought was going to be a real issue at the same time. And we've seen it here. You can draft a ton of defensemen, for example, that you think have high upside, but then ultimately, you know, when they get to the big time, you know, in the NHL, maybe look more like a second pair guy than a first pair guy. So I thought that was interesting. Can you imagine if the Flyers draft at 13, which I don't think they will. I think that pick will be gone. They draft at 13 and they take a goalie. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. It's not quite as jarring as Jalen Hurts in the second round. No franchise quarterback Carson Wentz, but you know damn well that the uh, the people who are casuals and some of the sports talk radio people who otherwise don't know the Flyers exist, including the flagship stations host, uh, they're going to look at it and that will at least get one minute of airtime in the week, which is one more minute than the team would otherwise get if they draft a goalie. I'll say something. I think that there's an interesting thing. And I actually thought about talking to Chuck about it. Uh, but we didn't, you know, it wasn't pressing. It wasn't of the time. It was a little bit dated, but I thought it was at least a worthwhile question, especially when he brought up at the very beginning, you know, having to protect the goaltender yeah, uh, or having to expose a goaltender, I'm sorry, to the expansion draft of Seattle. You know, we went through the whole thing with Felix Sandstrom. That was kind of weird. We had that conversation on this, on this program. Mm -hmm. And my thought here in time since then, think having had time to since to think about why they went through what they went through with Sandstrom. If they didn't re-sign Sandstrom to expose him, they would have had to sign Ustamenko or Lyon. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're re-signing Alex Lyon unless he's willing to sign an AHL only deal. Right? I think that's okay. that's the one one way maybe he returns, but I don't think they're bringing him back. I think that there's enough interest in Ustamenko that maybe the Flyers worried that Seattle would take him. Oh. And so, therefore, rather than signing Ustamenko, that's why they signed Sandstrom to expose Sandstrom. And, that's interesting. And so what that tells me is, is that you may not have to draft the goaltender because the, the, guy, the guy who could push Carter Hart may already be here. Not to say Ustamenko is going to push Carter Hart in 21-22 because he missed an entire year. He hasn't played at the AHL level other than a handful of games, I think, right? Like three or four. Yeah. Um, so he needs a season in the A. But boy, if that kid has a good season in the AHL in this coming season, 
he could be the guy that ultimately pushes Carter Hart. Oh, what a fun, what a fun thing. Let's have a goalie controversy. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks for, uh, I'm just predicting a goalie controversy two to three years down the road. That's all. Well, listen, a lot of things that we expect to have happen with the team happen two to three years down the road. So I don't know if that's really anything, uh, worth getting too worked up about. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably an okay spot unless there was anything else you wanted to touch on from the interview, but I think, um, no, I think it was, a good, it was a great interview. I would thank Chuck again for doing it. Um, really, really cool, uh, for him to come on the show and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll follow up with him. I'm sure. I'm sure that perhaps uh, it's a sign of things to come. You know, this is the yeah. thing that we always say about our show is that, you know, you do enough of these interviews, you do enough things where you try to build credibility and you try to give fair coverage to the team. Um, we're critical when we need to be, and then we're not critical when we don't have to be, when things are good, we say that they're good. And when things are bad, we say they're bad. Mm-hmm. Um, which I sounds like, to, which sounds like some of our new five-star reviews, Russ. I was about to say, so that's what I was pulling up right now. Now we got we a three-star ha- review and I'm ha- not going to read it. I, I will not read the three-star review. We got a three. Star get, <clears throat> yeah. We only, we only read a five-star review. We do not read a three-star review. Well, how three-star am I reviews. This? Three star reviews are I like see, really I see four awful. or five star reviews. No, one of them's from. I'm gonna DC. say I'm gonna say like bloating. I'm gonna say it's like bloating. Oh, there somebody. It is. I so it. the thing the thing that the person was upset about was that it's clear that you are not quite as connected to the other thirty teams. Now I don't know if this person just like missed the fact that the podcast has colon a Flyers podcast, but for some reason they, I I don't know. It's like you you showed up to a buffet and actually, no, it's not even like a buffet. It's like you showed up to a sushi place and complained that they didn't have spaghetti. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? This is not the buffet. Uh, well, no, I'm reading. No, I, oh, I want, you know, I, I walked. Hey, hey, Anthony, I walked into a donut shop and I was really upset that I couldn't get filet mignon. Yeah. Like, are you yeah. serious? We're not reading it. I I ban- I I forbid. No, I want to read person, it because I I want to no. say something to the person. This person can go back and leave a five star rating. They can leave the same exact text of their review, but they have to make it five stars, and then we'll discuss it. We're not doing it otherwise. Otherwise, you run the risk of people leaving reviews that aren't five star reviews. Anthony, we're not going to play that game. I want to care how good or bad. It. But I want to. You read can it. no. You can you can find this person. You can tweet them. You can text them. I don't know I don't who they are. How, how do I know who they well, are? Well, you know you're going to have to wait for them. It's it's a real shame. Uh, Let's Russ- go to Maine Flyers fan. <sighs> Maine Flyers fan, five stars. Flyers fans stuck in Maine. I thoroughly enjoy the podcast. Being stuck in Maine, originally from South Jersey, I try to soak up all I can about my beloved Flyers from internet sources, etc. as I obviously can't watch them on local TV and news, etc. So I really appreciate what you both bring to the table. Plugged into the team with great sources, etc. Keep up the good or keep up the great work. I eagerly await every new episode. Have also pretty have also read pretty much all of San Filippo's work for years now and have always been a fan. Love the player and team personnel interviews. Also, keep up the great work. Thank you so much, Maine Flyers fan. That's really nice. Anti, have thoughts? Are you, are you happy with the the? Oh, you're muted. Look at you. You're trying to talk, but you're muted. It there was a go. great review. No, it was really good. It, I, I appreciate it. Was a great that, review. Flyers, I almost you. ended up in Maine this summer, but then we couldn't find a place near that uh, Acadia State Park. We'll have to go there next year. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, saves 732. Best Flyers podcast out there. Five stars. Thank the Lord for Anthony. Do you want to read this one or do you want me to? I mean, I don't really care. Either way is fine. No, I, I like your I like to okay. hear your uh, your. Thank inflection. the Lord for Anthony. This podcast is five stars because of him alone. If not for his unique insight and inside connections, 
this podcast would be nothing. Russ, on the other hand, is annoying, ignorant, self-absorbed pipsqueak who offers nothing but long crybaby tirades that leave me banging my head against a wall. Save seven, uh, 732. I want to, first of all, thank you for the five-star review. I am going to, uh, we're just going to turn a blind eye to some of the poor grammar that existed in there. We're going to avoid discussing the missing punctuation. And I will admit, I am annoying. Ignorant is iffy. Self-absorbed, debatable. Pipsqueak, though. That's the winner that, for me. That's Pip- totally on brand. Pipsqueak I'm, is I, my you know what? favorite part. I haven't been called a pipsqueak in a long time. <laughs> Yippee chihuahua, sure. Pipsqueak, not so much. Not so much. Oh, All right, let's keep favorite. going. Yeah, we go have on. another five. Oh, two more. Look at this. Golly. Get the pup deep. Five stars. Great Flyers podcast for true fans. Great Flyers podcast that brings the truth forward and doesn't try to make everything out to be rainbows and sunshine. Good way to stay in tune during the offseason and get ready for the expansion and NF- NHL draft. Excited to see if Fletcher can turn this around or if we're in for another couple uh, another couple years of lackluster hockey. I swear I need to read more. Uh, hmm. Thank you to Get the Puck Deep. Yeah. And our last one from Chuck D 720 Not a whole lot of malarkey. Great Flyers podcast that provides tons of real insight and updates for the orange and black. Anthony and Russ provide a great product that is granted in reality and not full of wild speculation. They aren't afraid to deliver a spicy take, but they always cite their sources or at least say when they can't because they actually get legit insider info. They have great chemistry on air without spending tons of time talking about nonsense. If you're looking for well-researched, unbiased professionalism in a hockey podcast, Snow the Goalie is for you. That's an excellent one from Chuck D720. First of all, I didn't see that one. I didn't see that review. I don't know where that one's at. So it's on um, my podcast reviews. It gets pulled. no. It must I not. It the, must not have. They, it must they not pop have up come early. In. It must. You're not relying have on. In. Yeah, you're you're relying on the Apple Podcasts app. Yeah, which is a little I am. Bit but different. I was. I, so I had to mute myself there because I was just. And you must have been wondering why I was gesticulating in the background. Is because you know my family knows I'm recording this right now, and my mother decides to walk over to the cabinet, which is literally three feet from where I'm sitting. Okay. Mm-hmm opens the bottom door of the cabinet and starts rattling around, had to be 25, 30 pots and pans. And I'm banging on the table, trying to get her attention. I'm waving at her. I'm gesticulating wildly. And the woman who is three feet from me cannot see me to realize that she's making all that noise while this podcast is going on. Uh, she says, hello. <laughs> oh, hi, aunt's mom. That's so nice. I can't believe. So I, I came to mom. her, I came to her house. Um, after uh, after uh, this afternoon, uh, because a friend of mine is actually uh, installing some ceiling fans for her. So she oh, wanted that's me, nice. So she wanted me to be it's here. It's a shame that her deadbeat son can't do it. I can't. Are you kidding me? I have no ability to do that. And I ain't climbing up in the no crawl space up in the attic of the house. Forget that. Um, mm. But because um, I also needed electrical work done. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, you don't mess with electric. Yeah. So anyway, so that's why I came here to do this. And while, you know, while he's here and so I'm like, oh, we're going to record this, the podcast. So Andrew was kind enough to go down the basement. Good job, Andrew. There, watching well TV done. or, you know, on YouTube or whatever. You know, my friend Tim's upstairs hanging the uh, hanging the, the ceiling fans. And my mother with nothing else to do is banging pots and pans around in the background to, to just kind of kill the vibe of the of the podcast. So, well, first of all, I didn't hear it. Second of all, I think you owe your mom an apology. She gave birth to you. You want me to apologize uh, to my mother? I want you to apologize to your mom. I want you to show your mother some respect. 
I ain't apologizing to my mother for what? What did I do? It is it is very un-Italian like of you to be so disrespectful to your mom. It's Um, un-Italian of me. She carried she carried you for nine months in her womb. She went through what I'm sure was a miserable childbirth based on your gigantic head. And you know what? And the uh, the interest that has been paid back since then, since that nine months has been has been 150 fold. Believe me. Okay. All right, then. Well. I guess that's a pretty good uh, place to stop. Come for the Flyers talk, stay for the Chuck Fletcher interview and hang around to the end to listen to Anthony berate his mother on a podcast. Well, without uh, without hanging on much more here, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you get them. Download, subscribe, follow, whatever the verbiage is on those different podcasts. Make sure you leave a five-star review. We've been getting them in. Uh, they've been like flowing in here quite a bit recently. Uh, I think we said that once we get to 200 five-star reviews, uh, we're going to do a giveaway. We're getting closer. I think we're at 162 is what this says. I'm going to have to check for redundancies. You know, we have our friend like Lee C and a a few others that like to keep updating their reviews with five stars, which is fine. It's their way to communicate with us. Um, Make sure you follow us over on Twitter. The show is at Snow the Goalie on Twitter and Instagram, facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie. You can find Anthony on Twitter at Ansan Philly. You can find me on Twitter at Joy on Broad. You can find all of the links that I just mentioned, including the links to the specific podcast apps in the description of this episode. You should be able to click on them in pretty much every podcast player. It's an easy way to get in touch with us. You can also send us an email, I guess, if you really want to snow the goalie at gmail.com. If you have a long winded uh, review or a long winded statement that you want to get to us, I just saw that we got a couple of messages in our Facebook page. So I'll make sure that I respond to those here shortly. Um, But in the meantime, I think the Chuck Fletcher interview is just the start. Remember, we are not that far away from the expansion draft. We're not that far away from the NHL draft. It's about to get really crazy around here. Uh, We, you and I are still working on a few things. We still have a few big announcements. And I think we're going to be talking about some things that are going to fundamentally change the way that we cover this team. So we shall see. But it's going to be a big summer from Snow the Goalie. We had, in fairness, we set the bar pretty high last year with like the Chris Pronger interview and a number of other uh, Flyers Hall of Famers on the show and soon to be Flyers Hall of Famers on the show. So we're going to have to make sure that we keep that bar high for the summer. But we're going to do that because that is what you deserve. We are going to give you the best coverage that we possibly can. The Chuck Fletcher interview is just the tip of the iceberg. So for Ant at Ant San Philly, I'm Russ at Joy on Broad. Thanks for checking in. We'll talk to you again next week here on Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast.